All right. We have an awesome episode for you guys tonight. We are on episode 58, and we have actually a Patreon member who is going to be joining us. But even more than just a Patreon member, this is a dude that I've been wanting to have on for a while um, because uh, he has probably top two. Eh, I take it back. He's probably my favorite reptile uh, YouTube channel out there right now. Um, we are bringing on Bob Bledsoe of green tree python room and um he's got a couple retakes but i also want to hear a lot more than just about his retakes and uh nathan uh before we jump in you got anything to say about bob or about anything in general i'm excited to have bob on tonight bob's awesome so uh yeah i mean i'm just ready to get into it but uh we are rounding up on that 1000 subscriber giveaway uh, giving away over $300 worth of VivTech products. This is stuff that Lucas and I use in our reptile rooms daily from their sensors to their lights, you name it, their smart plugs. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll set you up with all of that. Yeah, it's been uh, painstakingly slow to get to 1K. We know we're a very niche channel. So if you guys are a fan of the Retake Lounge, we get messages all the time from you guys. Um, go ahead and just share the page, try to get the word out there so we can get to that 1K, we can give away that stuff. And then after that, we're going to be giving away $100 for every additional, or I'm sorry, we're going to be giving a <laughs> US ARC membership for every additional 100 followers after that. Um, and so we we definitely want to get to that point to be able to start just giving out free memberships. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And uh, again, if you guys are listening and you're not subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, like the episode, shoot comments throughout. We love to interact. And I know Bob's probably going to be checking in on the comments as well. And he loves to engage with all of his listeners. So I'm sure he'll engage with you guys. But Nathan, let's go ahead and bring Bob in. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows, on Morph Market, and are all over social media. Sometimes it may feel possible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Designs help small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brands for US Arc, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics through first working with Garrett Hartle. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows, you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd, and you want to make your own way doing what you love. And also, you have big ideas and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake and have a conversation. To learn more or get started, visit stuartdesignbrands.com or call them at 855 855- SD logos. Clear brands own markets. Stuart Design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus Cubed Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus Cubed Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house 
are animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animal's comfort and well-being. Visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for your animal's caging needs. Again, visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures. We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Looking for the perfect accessories for your hatchlings or juvenile retics? Look no further than Heli Guy Serpents. Our sponsor, Chris Sexton, is coming in hot with an amazing 3D printer creating top-notch perches and other caging accessories for your beloved pets. Enrich your retics environment with their high-quality products. Use our promo code TRL10 for a 10% discount on your purchase. Visit them today at heliguyserpents.com and start giving your pets the best. Heliguy Serpents, the premier source for 3D-printed caging accessories. Again, that's www dot heliguyserpents.com and use our promo code TRL10 for 10% off all of your 3D printed accessories today. What's up? What's hey, up, Bob. gentlemen? Lucas, I loved that in your intro, you that was very nice of you to say that I'm your favorite YouTuber, but then you called it the Green Tree Python Room. Did I? Oh, it's a green python. Dude, I'm getting my first green tree python. I'm so sorry. I'm getting my first green tree python. Green room python. I'm just teasing you because it's a common thing. Because green room pythons is very green tree pythons. Everybody calls it that. And especially when you're starting off um, with like an intro to a show, I always trip up my words. Right. Yeah. You, you get the little high and you're excited and you trip up things. But um, I, I did mean that. I do like I, I don't watch. It's funny. We have a podcast. I barely watch or listen to podcasts. I barely watch or listen to YouTube stuff. But um, yours is one that I tune into quite frequently. I never catch the lives just because I'm busy. But um, I enjoy it because uh, you just take a different perspective of keeping. And I think that's kind of what influenced Nathan and I to really want to bring you on. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, Bob, if it's okay with you, do your little intro. You know, the say 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 the good stuff about you and the bad if you want to, but introduce yourself and um, yeah. All right. Uh, hi, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bob Bledsoe of the Green Tree Python Room, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. And uh, I have a bunch of snakes. I have a couple of retics, and. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, and and that's about it. I, my my background is um, I'm a I'm a comedian. I'm a stand up comic and actor, and uh, and I raise snakes, and I really enjoy them. How's that? Is that a good intro, you guys? That was that was great. Was it I good? mean, okay. under a little bit undersold, but I, I'll I'll take it. Okay, you want me to redo it? I can redo it. No, 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 I think he sold himself just right. Just, just barely, <laughs> like sliding in. Um, Bob, do you breed at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
here's here's a little baby that I'm socializing right now. That uh, we out. see that we see the tip of the tub. Oh, there's yeah, a hand. I know, I know. He, he's just coming out onto my hand. I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here next to my next to my hatchling rack. They a couple. He's totally. Um, these are these are ball pythons that I have right now, uh, but I have some clown pies in here who are uh, very bitey. They just came out of the egg and they're not happy with humans, and I get it. I wouldn't be either if I was a baby snake. Your beard doesn't help. I think it does. It's a good spot for them to hide. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Um, let, let me ask you this. So, uh, when when did you get into snakes? Um, and uh, did your parents think you were weird? Yeah, I th- um, my parents. Uh, my parents are so great. They've always been super supportive. And I got into to answer your first question when I was a kid. Like I've had, I've had reptiles since I was a kid and my parents, I mean, they didn't, they didn't just let me have anything I wanted to have. You know, they were, they, you know, I could have some things within reason, but they were always supportive and they didn't say that I was weird or anything. But the funny thing is that my mom, who is supportive of anything I do, like everything I do, she, she wants to support. And so she started watching green room pythons because she wanted to support me and she wanted to see what I was doing and she, you know, she likes my comedy and whatever. And, uh, she has now become a, an aficionado of snakes. She has more snake knowledge because she watches every episode every week and she loves them. She's a big fan of snakes and, uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's really funny. Like she knows all my snakes and, and yeah, it's cool. I, um, I can kind of relate to that in a bit. My mom is, is pretty, supportive of me as well. And I'll, I'll post a picture on Instagram and she always just puts like an emoji or something, right? Like she'll comment on there and, uh, she'll message me and she'll be like, Hey, is that picture that you posted of the snake? Is that the ocelot or is that the Kalatoa? And I'm like, you're doing great mom, but that's actually the Slayer. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so it's, it's definitely nice to have that support. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then I have a follow-up question kind of just on the same lines, but uh, tell us about the comedy and how old were you when you realized you love comedy? Oh, that that's a good thought. Um, uh, oh, by the way, let me just, before I answer that, let me also say that when I do my live streams, my mom jumps in the chat and the people that are in the chat on my live streams absolutely love that my mom is in there. She like, she has fans, uh, that's awesome. chat, which I love. Uh, so yeah, comedy. I mean, I started when I was a kid, I, I was a huge fan of Saturday night live and, um, so I, I always wanted to be a comic and I've been doing it for well over 20 years. I, I used to be a touring stand-up comic where I would, where I would tour around comedy clubs and colleges and stuff. I did that for a long time. And then I kind of decided that I didn't want to be on, on the road. Like I didn't want to be a road comic. I, I really like performing, but um, didn't want to be on the road. So I uh, took a day job and it was just in LA and doing TV and film. If, if I got a gig, sometimes I would get a writing or producing gig, but it's usually acting stuff. Uh, and then I got, um, I, I was kind of itching to perform again, but I still didn't want to be a road comic. And then somebody introduced me to Renaissance fairs, which I had never been to one. And I, I went to, I, I was hired to actually just show up at a Renaissance fair and play mandolin. I, I play music also. They were like, just come and play your mandolin and be funny. And we'll give you a couple hundred bucks. So I went to my first Renaissance fair to do that silly thing. And I saw some stage acts and I was like, 
I think I can write a stand-up comedy show for a Renaissance fair and I'd probably make more than a couple hundred bucks. And those fairs run two days and like Saturday and Sunday, and then you get to go home. So uh, I started doing that. And now I tour these Renaissance fairs. I, I have this um, comedy show that's in character and I juggle flaming battle axes and chainsaw blades that are on fire and stuff like that. And uh, why wow, make it hard jokes? for yourself up there? What's right. that? You make it hard for yourself up there. Yeah, yeah. It's already hard to make people laugh. Now you're trying to juggle and shit. While you're doing well, here's the thing. <laughs> I did my my first season of doing of, of doing Renaissance fairs. I had this sort of stand up comedy show. It was in character. This this you know Renaissance character, and it was silly, whatever. And people enjoyed it. But I realized really quickly that Renaissance fairs are comprised of. First of all, you're performing outside in the middle of the day to an audience that doesn't have to be at your stage. They can get up and there's so many other distractions. They can leave. It's not like a comedy club where they come to s- sit down to see you. They're you know, forced they're the and they can't and leave. It. Right. <laughs> uh, and they are children and they're drunk adults in the middle of the day. So I thought, all right, the show's going, people appreciate it, but this is why there's so many physical acts at Renaissance fairs. Like you've got to have something eye catching and I'm not a great juggler, but I know how to do it. So if I just juggle the most dangerous stuff I can find, maybe that'll work. And so I, I had, I ordered these, you know, I have these double headed battle axes that I can set on fire and I have these chainsaw chains that are on a blade that are attached to a stick and I can set those on fire and I've got cleavers and all kinds of stuff. And as it turns out, when you juggle really dangerous stuff, you only have to juggle three things. You don't have to go behind your back. You don't have to juggle 10 things. You don't have to ride a unicycle (laughs) at the same time. Like, you know, so uh, that's what I've been doing. Do, do you play d and I, I do now only because in my, my Patreon, I have a really great supportive awesome. Patreon. And these guys decided that they wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. I call my Patreon members the Horde of Keepers. And each <laughs> level has a different sort of epic uh, name, uh, like the Infallible Den of Husbandry. And, you know, just silly names like that. And so they decided they wanted to play D&D. So now on the secret Discord channels, on, on my on my Discord, we've got some secret Patreon channels. Uh, there are multiple D&D games going. And I got in on the first one, and it was my first time playing. Awesome. Yeah. And I only asked just because of the, you know, the renaissance and the acting. And it's very, I've only played like two or three campaigns. Like I'm not a D&D nerd by any, but this is coming from a dude who I grew up. I played sports my whole life and I had a buddy who I'm really close with here in town. And he was like, hey, why don't you do a and d campaign? And I was like, Psh, what? Like nerd. And then I played and now I love it. And I was actually in my head when I asked you that. I was like, oh, I wonder if people on our Discord or Patreon, the Retic Lounge would actually be interested in in doing that. And then you mentioned that. So it's kind of worlds are aligning, but yeah, as it turns out, snake nerds are also D and D nerds. And they're also sometimes Renaissance fair nerds. Cause I, I get a lot of Renaissance fair people that show up and see my show and they're like, Oh my God, you're the guy from YouTube. Um, or P or people that already watch my show and they, they, I mean, watch green room pythons and they know that I'm going to be at a festival. They'll, they'll show up too, which is cool. It's fun to have those two worlds collide for sure. Yeah. Question for you. Yeah. You you have a, I mean, going back to the YouTube channel, you have a great YouTube channel. And I kind of just want to ask Thanks. you, since me and Nathan are just, we just kind of finished our first year. I kind of wanted to gain and pick your head a little bit about like what, where did that start? And like, w- did your vision change as you kept going through? What was it originally? And like, 
what have you done to adapt to grow like and um and, and for those that that don't know you can give a little background on what you do on your your youtube channel um because what i personally really love about it is uh it seems like it's a youtube for beginners um but the way that you present information is just very uh it appeals to a wider audience thanks thanks yeah it's um it, it's not some of my videos are for beginners uh and you and you may have seen that i a lot of my videos are for beginners but i also have um like i have a series i just shot an episode of last night uh where i introduce people to snakes who are afraid of snakes and so I usually get another comedian or actor, somebody who's good on camera that's afraid of snakes. And I have them talk to me about it. And, and uh, we, we talk about their fears and whatever. And then I introduce them to snakes and hopefully get them over their fear, uh, which is a cool series. And then, and then I do a lot of behavioral stuff too, um, which I don't think is beginner. I mean, it's great for beginners to, to know that yeah. stuff, but it's not just like set up care guide, what substrate to use. You know, it's, 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 how do you, how do you social, you know, what am I doing to socialize this little snake, you know, so he's not striking at me all the time, like he was a month ago or whatever, you know? Um, so, uh, but, oh, so to answer your question, I just remembered what your, what your question was. Uh, when I, you know, I started this YouTube as sort of a COVID project. I had been wanting to start another YouTube channel for a long time. I had, I had started a couple, but just wasn't committed to them. And my, my original thought was that I, I feel like at the time I felt like I had more knowledge of reptiles than a lot of people, just because I had spent my whole life keeping certain reptiles. Um, and, and I'm a deep dive researcher. So if I'm going to, like, if I'm going to get into ball pythons or reticulated pythons or whatever, I'm going to do massive deep dive research. Uh, and, and I knew that I could make it funny you know, my background is being on camera and, and, um, writing episodes. My background was not shooting or editing. So I kind of had to learn that. And I still feel like I'm not very good at that, but, uh, I do what I can. You make and, by. Um, what's that? You make by for sure. Thanks. Thanks. I love your edits. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I used to, I know what I, what I want for an edit. And I used to do like w w when I was writing and, and performing sketches, I had an editor and I would say, do this cut here, make this happen, make it, but I didn't know how to do it myself. And so now I just have to, I've got to decide what I want. And then if it's not something that I already know how to do in my editing software, I've got to decide, do I want to watch an entire YouTube video to learn how to do this? Or should I just skip it? You know? <laughs> so right, uh, I feel that. <laughs> But, but anyway, as far as how it evolved, that's an interesting question because, you know, when you start a YouTube channel and you, you probably have come across this also, when you start a YouTube channel, you think you know what it is, but you don't really, you're not sure who your audience is to, to begin with. Um, you know, maybe you do, maybe you sit there and brainstorm, this is who my, my, I want my audience to be, but it may not be, you know, once you start putting up videos. So, so I had to decide right away. You know, like I, I had a lot of breeders that were jumping on watching the channel and I had to decide, am I going to be a breeder channel? And and that was an easy answer for me. And that was no, I'm not because I it was my first year breeding and I'm in no position to teach somebody how to breed snakes. And um, and still I'm not. I'm in my third season. I still am in no position to teach people how to breed snakes. So 
the breeders watch the channel, I think because they're entertained by it. It's still snake content and, and it, you know, maybe they like the comedy or whatever. Um, but you're selling uh, it again. <laughs> uh well i mean that's i i don't know i mean you know whatever people are are drawn to but uh then it was am i a beginner keeper channel or am i like a behavior guy and i think uh i think it's a little of both but um but i feel like like people are drawn to the to the behavior stuff and the snake brain stuff i think there's a lot of people that are interested in that and then also i think that there are small hobbyist breeders that uh, that are interested in how I'm keeping my snakes because I think there was a problem a few years back. There may still be, I, I don't know, but, but you know, there are a lot of big breeders, really great big breeders that have really good YouTube channels like mutation creation. I, I love Billy's channel. Uh, and, and Billy has to keep his snakes a certain way to maintain the thousands of snakes he has or however many he has. Right. Uh, they're healthy. They're great, whatever, but they're, they're in, bear tubs. And if you have that many snakes, that's how you have to do it to keep them healthy. Uh, when you have 35 snakes, you can have enrichment in your tubs. You can work with your, with your snakes. They don't have to just be in a bare bones situation. And I think a lot of people that are just starting out and have, have a small group of animals that they're breeding, they go, well, if Billy does it that way, then that's how I'm going to do it. And I mean, that that's how I originally started as a Rita keeper, you know, five and a half, close to six years ago. And I, I, I was the same way, like, oh, this is like how people keep the retics and they're happy, healthy. And even back then I had the mindset of like, well, if people are keeping them like this and they're breeding, then they must be in good health or good shape when we know that's the furthest thing from the truth. Right. But right. Um, and then, you know, after like two, three years, I was like, whoa, like, no, that's not how to keep a reticulated python. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can always do extra things. And, and I, you know, I always try to, I always try not to judge people on my channel and, and try to let people know that like wherever they're at in their keeping, if you feel like you need to do, if you feel like you want to do more for your snakes, you can do a little bit more. You can, let's see if I have an example. You can, if you have a bare bones tub, you can take a little toilet paper roll and put it in there and give your snake a thing to like, <laughs> It's a thing and, and it's different. And the, you know, this is a baby snake. So the toilet paper roll is something new in their enclosure that they can encounter and, and be nervous about for a minute and then realize, Oh, it's not attacking me. I'm, I'm not being eaten by anything. Maybe it's okay. When I encounter a new thing, maybe I don't have to be afraid of everything. And you change right. that toilet paper roll out for another thing that's different. And they go through the process again. And every time they do that, they get a little bit more confidence. And, um, so if I had a thousand snakes, I would not be able to do that. But with my, between 35 and 45 snakes, depending on how many babies I have, I can work with them. I can free roam my big snakes. I can let my retics out every day and have them cruise around up here on the top of this thing. You know? Yeah. Well, one thing we haven't talked about quite yet is like the, the service your channel does to just killing fear within, you know, people that come across your channel that aren't necessarily in the reptile industry with, you know, just the free roaming, the behavioral videos, uh, your little snakes and scotch segment. I mean, I think all of that goes a long way, just how you interact with your animals and just killing those misperceptions. Right. 
Hopefully that's, that's a big part of what I'm, what I'm trying to do. And you know what? I'm learning that shorts, I started doing YouTube shorts and that's a completely different audience. Like when I, when I put up a a full length video, I'm getting snake people, but shorts are shown to everybody. So like you get get, the keyboard warriors that are coming in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'll respond, (laughs) I'll I'll do responses to those. And I, and I do it uh, in a, in a very, um, Comedic I, try way, to, please? I try to do this responses in a very helpful, um, positive way where I'm not, you know, I'm not slamming people, but, uh, but what it does, it's probably not changing the mind of the person who was the keyboard warrior, but everybody else that sees that response video gets to learn a little bit about snakes here. Here was the misperception. Here was the misconception and here's the, here's the reality of it. And, right. and also a, a little bit of human behavior. These, these comments that people are saying, chop its head off, kill it with fire. These, you know, I'll, I'll show those comments. I'll say, you know, these are people that these comments come from fear. These are people that are, that are afraid. They don't have a lot of knowledge of of the snake and that's, you know, um, so, you know, we don't have to bully people that are already afraid. That's not cool. Right. And it's funny because the people that are making those comments are oftentimes they don't even have the awareness of the fear. Um, Mm -hmm. And right. uh, my, my favorite thing is when I, I get messages from like, I, I, there was uh, a few people like a while back that like tagged, that sent me via messenger, one of your, your little shorts of like snakes free Romeos on Instagram. And they're like, can you believe this guy that he's letting his retakes free roam? And I was like, yeah, I can. Like, <laughs> like what's that, like that's great enrichment. What's right. I was like, yeah, absolutely can. And I was like, what's the worst case scenario it's a little snake it tags him in the back of the bald head if it like if it gets scared like uh, what, what's gonna happen yeah that is worst case scenario <laughs> exactly it, it is i mean and, that's uh, what this I, i've been on one of bob's lives and i've seen the worst case scenario <laughs> you've so seen the worst case scenario i think so yeah 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 echo is yeah yeah i have t- i have two i'll tell you about my retake so this by the way this ladder is just for my two retics and, and my boa uses it occasionally too, but, but it's for them to hang out on. And then I have these things that, that hang in front of the ladder that hang down from the, from a hook on the ceiling. Uh, just a bunch of, so I can change things up all the time there. But uh, you know, it's interesting. I have, I have two super dwarf free ticks. They're both two years old. And um, one of them, it, they're both highly food motivated, but one of them will always tongue flick and make sure it's me before she, strikes which i don't think is common at all for retics my other one is more uh, the standard retic where she will strike first and ask questions later so if she's out free roaming she'll what she usually does is just set up an ambush position somewhere right so stella the other one stella yeah, will i think she was set up on your hat stuff. uh echo will set up an ambush somewhere and so i often forget where she is and i'll just reach over to grab something and i'll get tagged and I think Nathan, the one you're talking about, is I had a cowboy hat on, yep, and Echo yep. crawled from from here, like I was sitting right here, and she she crawled around my cowboy hat, and she was sitting there, and I'm so stupid. Here's what I did: I, I was watching, and I saw her in ambush mode, and I was like, "Oh boy, if he reaches up on that hat, like." Well, I even mentioned it too. I said, "You guys, look, Echo's in ambush position on my hat." Not two <laughs> minutes later, I yep. went to adjust my hat i just naturally just was going to adjust my hat and i got tagged uh which people always think is hilarious you you handled it gracefully (laughs) 
I always do. I've been tagged a lot on because that's when I'm not paying attention to my snake. Right. Oh, yeah. That goes out. I, I want her out because I want people to see. And then and I'm not paying attention because I'm trying to do my live stream thing and I get tagged. People love it. It's great. It's great. Um, I, I, I that that little hanging thing, I started realizing like I could probably do that. I could definitely do that in my in my garage right now. I'd probably punch it a few times as I'm trying to move around big snakes and I keep hitting myself in the head with it. But I'd probably it, it would be. That? Yeah, like I like I, I could see myself posting like there's nowhere really that I could put it without it being next to, you know, kind of centered in the middle of the garage where I definitely like back up and I when I'm taking the larger snakes out I'm backing up so getting hit in the head a couple times would probably turn around and smack it but nonetheless but you, can I think- t- you can take it up and down I mean let me let me just show you what I have here because it's um, I have two hooks in the ceiling that that hang down on chains oh hooks, I can hang. Okay, perfect. I've got nets and all kinds of stuff. But this is just this little chain thing I got at some cheap store that sells junk for your house. And these two baskets I got at Target. And I just hang these. And this, the retics love to curl up in these baskets. So I have a bunch of them. I have one in a cage. I've got, I've got two right here. Um, so that's just one thing. And then I have nets. I've got ropes that they can climb. So I just change this up all the time. You, you uh, I'm, I'm lazy. Um, and I don't have a creative mind. Um, yeah, I'm going to just say that I don't have a creative mind. So you, I, I'm going to get with you to send me a care package with your, and I'll, I'll pay you for Luke, Lucas, your time we'll and go, service. When I'm, when I'm there in Arlington, we'll go to home Depot. We'll buy a wire basket. We'll but wrap he said it in target. paracord. I did just wrap this in paracord, customize it how you want. <laughs> These, um, these you can't find anymore. I got these at the dollar section at Target, and I want all of them. And uh, my friend Amy, who's who's in your Patreon also, uh, found one for me and, and sent it to me. So I have three now instead of two. Okay. That's I awesome. I need to check my local Target then, I guess. Yeah. So, so real quick, what snake species do you keep right now? Because this is where I kind of want to segue into what's your experience with the retics versus all the other animals that, that you keep and what is it that you appreciate the most and the least about retakes versus your other animals. So give us a background into what, what species of snakes you're currently working with. Okay. So, so most of my, of my snakes are ball pythons and that's what I'm currently breeding. I have a black headed Python who I love. She's fantastic. I have a boa that I accidentally got at the U S arc auction. He's amazing. I love him. And, uh, I have two retics. Two, awesome. two super dwarf retics that I that I plan to breed, um, but they're both they're only two years old, so uh, we're we're a ways away from that. But but I'm kind of looking for a male, you know. Okay, cool. Um, I know Nate's got some. <laughs> uh, well, it it all depends on the direction he wants to go. Um, well, w- let- what direction are you wanting to go? Yeah. With? So yeah. so the direction. So here's here's what I have. I have a I have a pure Kalatoa. That's Stella. And okay. then Echo is is fifty percent Karampa, twenty five percent Kalatoa, twelve and a half percent Slayer. Oh, um, that was a good clutch. And yeah, yeah, that uh, little bit of Slayer added a good amount of color. Yeah, she, yeah, she's got some really nice color. Um, so, uh, th- so what I want to do is just just have a relatively high percentage male that's got three or four incomplete dominant genes or, or dominant genes. I was going to go, my, my initial thought is, Oh, I want to make cow retics. Uh, Cause I love cows. I think they're great. But I realized I also just love the pattern of a reticulated Python and cow 
wipes it out. Right. You know? Even though it does something really cool also, but it, it takes out that pattern. So I, th- I think I just want a male that'll, that'll just give me a hodgepodge of a bunch of different morphs, you know? Yeah. For, for these snakes. Next not season, a- I'll have something cool for you. Yeah. All right. All it's right. it's not a bad direction to go. And I mean, and, and I will say this, it's like the ball Python direction, but you can't go wrong with producing a clutch that has three, four codons in it. Yeah. Yeah, I you well, know what I did my first run and I it's really cool. Animals. It's really cool too. Like when you open up an egg and you get so like this year was my first year hatching morphs and my third breeding. Well, I guess last season was my third breeding season and it was my first year hatching morphs and it was only tiger and and just me getting to open and be like oh a tiger like I can imagine opening a clutch with like three four different codons in it. I think that mm-hmm. that would be awesome. It's pretty cool. I actually do have a male right now that. um that I got at a, at a U.S. ARC auction, but I got him not planning to keep him. He's, he's young and t- super tiny. And I saw uh, that on a video. I, I thought you said I, I got a boa just a minute ago. So I was like, Oh, maybe I misheard him on the video. Oh no, I did. I did get a boa. I, I, I have a, I have a boa that I actually <laughs> like got me. at an auction, but the retick, the, in fact, I'll get him out for you. I'll show you the, the little retick. I recently got the boa. I got a long, a while back. The retake I recently got at a U.S. ARC auction, and I got him because he was two months old and uh, super cute. He's an he's a annery high percentage super dwarf, and I thought, okay, I'll just socialize this snake and target train him, and then uh, and then one of my Patreon supporters can take him. Was it the one that? So I know that there was another there's another auction where someone got a, a super dwarf retake. Is it, is it, maybe the person did it for more than one? Was it from Daniel Kennedy? Uh. Uh-uh. No. Okay. What, what's the? Something. Oh, Acevedo. No. No, Andrew. Oh, really? No, not he's not a he, he's a he he was a new. Uh, oh, gotcha. A new okay, breeder, cool. as as far as I know, like not a known breeder. Um, cool. Yeah. Um. Nice. Nice pickup at an auction, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So. So he's already the this snake is already target trained. He's let me let me show you how tiny he is. Hold oh. On while he's doing that, speaking of target training, I've been doing it with my Sula and I've been doing it with my tiger that Nathan produced in here. They've only done target training four or five times where I've just been introducing the target with the food together. And today I decided to get a little risky or last night decided to get a little risky with the tiger female. And, um, I presented the target first, got her attention and had her track it back and then put the food uh on there so so far i mean it's only been four or five times but i can already see the efficacy of you know where it's gonna go yeah that's a little dude he's so tiny he i forgot i i was feeding right before uh, we jumped on so the place smells like uh rodents and he came tearing out as soon as i opened the thing but he didn't tag me he tried to though that's my favorite with baby retics yeah the reaching up to nothing yeah he is super cute and uh Nice. And just really smart, well well socialized at this point, and um, and knows exactly what that target means. It, their their brains are fascinating. You you asked me what what it is that I like about retics compared to other the other snakes. The brains on these snakes and the interactivity is is really what I like. I, I tell people ask me what my favorite snake would be like if I could only have one. It, it would be a reticulated a, a super dwarf reticulated yeah. python. Um, yeah, uh, because their, their brains are, are amazing. I mean, my, when, when these two are out, the, the other two that I have live in Vivarians right behind me, uh, when they're out, 
they'll come over to me to see what I'm up to, to see what I'm doing. They'll crawl onto me. They're super social. Yeah. Yeah. People don't realize that it's not just intelligence, but their social intelligence is just through the roof. And they actually like the stimulation they get just through interaction alone um, is, is fascinating. For sure. Um, bring that sink to the to the forefront of the camera. I, I enlarged your your video here, and I wanted the, oh. the viewers to kind of see. Look at that little guy. Awesome. Um. Yeah, I've um. I speaking about just the, their thinking. Um, on our last Zoom live that we did, uh, it was pretty awesome. It was the first time. So I'm doing choice based handling with the baby that Nathan sent me. Um, and uh, I've only had her for what, two weeks, Nathan? Three, maybe, I, whatever, but. Yeah, two or three. Two or point. three weeks. By the time that this releases, it'll be longer. But as the time that we're recording, two, maybe three weeks. And uh, I have her in those large ARS racks in a bioactive setup with the isopods and everything. And every time I open it, She's either perched on wood or she's in the corner or she's under moss and she stays there and I'll open it up and she doesn't budge. It was the first time on that zoom live where everyone got to see on there, just her brain spinning, thinking she was coming up. She was deciding, is there food? Is there not food? And it ended up with my best interaction with her by far. That was non-threatening. Her curiosity didn't force her out. She ended up going back. It was a really cool experience. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I've started kind of changing the way that I'm doing it with my younger retics. Um, I have a little block in doing it with my larger ones already um, just because I've learned their behavior with their food response and how they act sure. until I touch them with a hook. And I, I'm not going to lie. There's a little bit of like the unknown of what the heck's going to happen. if I open up my 13 foot Slayer's enclosure and just take a stand back, For um, sure. that's, that's a snake that, you know, is 13 years old and I don't know how much behavior I'm changing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I so. mean, the, yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you with, with these two retics, you know, I had them not, not this one, but, but the two, the two year olds uh, behind me, I had them since they were about, about the size, I guess Stella I got when, when she was a little bit older, but I socialize all my snakes the same. And one of the things that I do is I, I pull open a, a, a tub for a baby and I just put my hand here without, without touching them. And I give them, you can't see it and he's not going to do it, but uh, I, I give them a chance to just tongue flick on my hand without being touched, without being hurt. Just close. And we do. Then you saw earlier. I don't know if we were recording or not. Oh, we lost Lucas. Oh, there we go. Um, oh, is that is that me that's going out? Yeah, you just went out for a second. Okay. I was Whoops. I was hearing you go out, Bob. Um, yeah, me oh, too. Right. We're having all sorts of weird. It, ha- it happened a couple nights ago during our, our other interview, but. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so anyway, they, you know, if, if you, by showing them my hand, non-threatening, not then not touching them, but then just shutting the tub, you do that for a little bit. They get used to this hand that's not threatening. And then they'll come out and venture out onto it, whatever. So I do that with the retics and it works immediately. They do really well, but still Echo with her food response, her brain will shut off because she wants food. And if I put my hand in front of her mouth, she will tag it because it's a heat signature because her brain has shut off even though she knows who i am she's not trying to eat me you know it's just that she shuts her brain off 
Uh, Stella, though, I can always open the tub. She comes flying out like I'm with, with the big eyes, you know, the big pupils that they get. Dude, when, when they when they dilate like that and they get massive, like it, it's it's yeah. so funny. I know. And, and you know they're going to tag anything, right? But Stella is so good. I put my hand in front of her face and I go, look, it's me. And she tongue flicks and she's fine. She's never once bitten me. Yeah. that. But, but I'm always putting my hand in front of her face when she's in food mode with those big eyes. Yeah. And she, she figures it out right away and doesn't strike. I'll, I'll start doing that with, with the two that I'm really working on social. So I'm, I'm having my little, just, it's not even formal, but social experiment with, with the Sulawesi baby that I got and Nathan's female, because both of those are, are pets. I don't plan to breed the Sula. Um, I just want her, my, my goal for her is to be this giant 16 foot puppy dog where I can open up the kind of like Ed over in Europe. Like if I can have those kind of interactions with a Sula, like, like that, that's like a peak like that. I'll, I'll reach uh, a whole different level of just excitement. But um, yeah, I'll start doing that with putting kind of just directly doing that. I know the Sula thinks more. Um, Nathan, since she's gotten a little more confident, she definitely comes out looking for food first. Um, the other one is always a curiosity first and then reacts to food later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the target training is going well, but, um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I, what, what is, what is one aspect of like retics that maybe not the most desirable versus some of the other snakes that you keep if there, if there is one, <coughs> um, they're not big yet. So you can't say the pee or poop yet, but it'll, it, yeah, you'll get yeah, there. I yeah. I can't say that yet. Um, <laughs> one it's, day. uh, yeah, I mean, I actually am enjoying that at this size that they, you know, they are out of their cage a lot and they don't usually pee or poop when they're out, but awesome. I'm guessing they will as they get bigger. It's going to be more of a mess situation, probably. Uh, but, you know, I guess I guess it's the I don't really mind getting bitten, but I guess that's the the downside. I just did. A, I just came out with a video comparing ball pythons to, to retics and uh you know, one of the things that I said is that that for your first snake, if you want a snake that's a little bit extra, that's going to be extra smart, extra active, extra likely to bite you, uh, <laughs> you're, you know, everything is a little extra with with a retic, um, and I like it. That's that's what I that's what I want. I mean, it's not my first snake, obviously, but um, but that's what I really like. Yeah. I, I, I like that now. Right, right. I think when I was getting into snakes, that was like the last thing I wanted. I wanted something that sat there and I, I could count on probably wouldn't bite me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're a little afraid to get bit when you're first starting. You're like, what's that going to feel like? I don't want a snake that's going to bite me, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, even to this day, I don't like getting bit. And I know that there's breeders out there that like, I still have a, I still have that, like that, knee-jerk reaction and that's only because i haven't been bit a lot um yeah you know the hatchlings is a different story but i still don't even like getting bit by them um now if i'm doing it intentionally right i think it's different if i'm like okay i'm gonna put my fist in your face and if you like with the intentions knowing that you know for the socialization aspect of getting them to realize my hand is not food um that's one thing as a like i i don't jerk back for that like i've done that with hatchlings before but um yeah, I mean, I can't tell you. I probably jump six feet in the air every time I walk into my garage. I have one of my snakes slam the glass door, and I still freaking jump. And it's it's not like 
I've been bit, not really scared to be bit, but it's just still this habit that I have of pulling back, which is going to kill me one day. But it's it's a startling thing. I um, echo a lot of times when I walk by this enclosure, especially at night, echo will instinctively strike the glass uh, because there's movement um, that startles me. I guess if I see a snake strike, I get startled and I jump. But Echo, oftentimes I've reached over without looking and for, forgot that Echo was there and she'll bite me. It doesn't make me jump because I didn't see it. I just right. feel her on my hand and I'm like, dude, really? Right. You, know, you it look at it and, it and it takes like 10 seconds for you to see the speckle of blood that comes. Like it, it's yeah. not a painful thing. Like I've even been right. bit by one of my seven, eight footers. Still not a painful thing. Yeah. Um yeah, if I if I get bit, I'd rather it be with me not looking at them with their mouth open coming at me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's the that's right. the best scenario if you don't see it. I did. I also did a video a while back comparing the bites of three different species of python: a ball python, a black headed python, and a and a retic. Um, and uh, I had to work to get them to bite me. Like I had to scent my arm with a mouse, especially the ball pythons, because they don't. <laughs> They don't ever bite. You're running all sorts of mad scientist experiments over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna guess the black-headed was the worst. I I would have guessed that too, and I think I said that on the video. But Maya, um, who used to bite me a lot out of a food response, has learned that I'm not food, and she just doesn't do it anymore. And she she bit. I I still had to scent my arm, which I was really surprised. Uh, she she bit my arm, and then as soon as she realized it was me, she let go which is not what she used to do. Like she used to bite and wrap and I had to spray. I've got a little bottle. Of, look at this. This is, this is specifically for my black headed Python. It says, it says whiskey for bite. There you go. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a little spray bottle of whiskey. And, um, uh, I don't have to do that anymore for the, for the blackhead. But anyway, she, she bit me and then she released right away. And so did echo when I got, when I, when I got echo to bite me, my, my retic. And the worst one was my ball python. He's never bit me before. I had to scent my arm with with a rodent. He was in food mode, and he bit hard and wrapped. And it took me a while to get him off. So that's why that was the worst. But <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't really a fair comparison of this bite versus this versus this because it was just the scenario of that individual and how they bit me at that particular time. Yeah, right. food response bite, and if they readjust and tighten up, it's yeah. different. I've only had every time. I think you've... only one of those, but I mean, it's it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Every every time you move your arm or you flex, they clamp down a little bit more, and yeah, like that. That's that, that's not the fun part. Yeah, the real point of that particular video, though, was to let people know if you get bit by your snake, it's not a big deal. Like it doesn't hurt. It's not a problem. Even if they really nail you, like the like the my ball python did. My adult male ball python. Uh, it just isn't that big of a deal. So, adult yeah. male retic, no. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't no. say that. Yeah. That, no, don't, no, of course not. Don't, no, don't, I didn't do it with an adult retic at all. Yeah, that's, yeah. Don't, don't, I think don't, I say that in the video. If the snake is big, it, that's a whole different story. Well, and, and those males can slash you a bit. and Yeah, Yeah. don't, don't do that when they're piece. both four years old and your female cycling don't don't run that experiment at that time yeah. with your male retic. If he's yeah. arching and you're like, oh, this will be easy content, just don't. <laughs> well, I've I've always I've always said that when Echo gets to be big, I'm not gonna forget about where she is in the room. I'm gonna know yeah, no exactly kidding. where she is in the room. I'm not gonna just mindlessly be walking somewhere or reaching for something. 
because I don't want to get. You know what? I'm, you know what I've heard. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Echo's head to just like drop down in the video camera, like on top of you, just like, I know. <laughs> just like she's. Uh, oh, she's up right now because she knows that I was feeding. She she's in this yep. cage here. She knows that I was feeding, so she's hoping that she's going to get a meal. Um. Uh, here's something that I've heard, but I've never seen proof of, and maybe you guys know definitively. Do retics have serrated teeth? You know that that's actually so. Um, I, I think that you can I go online and bring it. Okay, my one of my friends uh, broke part of it. It didn't break, but got unglued. So one second, let me go grab. Okay, it. I tend to think that that it, they don't have serrated teeth, but I've so heard I've, from a lot of people that they do, and that's why they can really tear you up when they're when they're adults. Yeah, and I, I feel the I feel the same way. I don't think they do. I think that that was probably something that was generated based off of the slashing. Like, it, there are some pretty gruesome bites from male retics. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, now, if you go on Google and you do a simple Google search, you know, CBC.ca says that there are six rows of serrated teeth that retics have. Um, I, I don't know how true that maybe, maybe people can jump in again. We're, we're an experiential podcast and I can't say I've looked into my retics mouth to see if they're serrated. I haven't. So I'm, I'm going to explain at least to my knowledge, what their teeth are like and why they can slash you like that. Um, this is a male retics head. This was from a 13 foot tiger. Uh, this is the first unboxing on the Retic Lounge because I thought I was just going to take this into the shop to get repaired. Awesome. So this is so you haven't seen this yet. This just no got no shipped. no. I've had this for years. Oh, I see. You just bought. I had it. a buddy over. So get this. So I have I have a really nice Gaboon skull, and then I have this Retic skull. Oh, um, cool. my buddy comes over. I was showing him it, and I decided to let him hold the Retic skull because I'm. It's the hardier of the two. Oh, and he dropped it. No, he didn't drop it. He decided to try to poke his finger with one of the teeth. Gosh. So what you'll see is their teeth. Is the fact that their teeth are a bit triangular. Here, I want to just be careful to make sure I don't damage it anymore. That's really cool, by the way, just having a retic skull in your hand. So if someone knows about the triangular teeth and can confirm or deny that, um, but to me, like the front does look pretty triangular. I'll bring out the top jaw, but this is the lower portion of the jaw here. So and oh. so you don't see, especially those longer front ones, you don't see any serratedness on the... No, can you, there's can no you, serration. Can you, can you run your finger gently up and down oh, yeah, it just absolutely. to confirm it's it's smooth okay we just proved cbc.ca wrong and there's not six rows at least not in that school one two three four yeah there there is six rows because two is on the it, bottom oh okay two I, okay top, and then two on the roof i'm i'm thinking i'm thinking roses and like sharks <laughs> oh right right, right right yeah yeah that's dumb of me but um so it looks like we lost Nathan's camera. We just want to yeah. wish Chris. Oh, well. that is a little misleading to say six rows, but because their jaws are separate, are separate, 
Yeah. You go one row, one row, one, one, and then you're. That's really cool. That is cool. I want, I got to Dude, I need that. I want snake skulls. Me too. Yeah. I'm in the market for a snake skull now. Right. Hit us up in the comments if you sell them. I always skull because that's what I keep. I mean, I feel like that's pretty obvious. Um, I'm running my finger over the teeth now. Um, no, no serrations, but it's they definitely feel like they could be a little bit triangular. I also noticed these, this tooth in the front here has more of like a drop down weird angle and not just. And I, and I think that's what it comes from is when they bite, like a male has a breeding response bite. They, they don't just bite and pull back, but they'll bite they like and push yank through. Yeah. They'll, they'll bite, go through, rip back. Um, we're making them sound very appealing right now, but this is the reality of, 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 no, we're just trying to figure out how, how that happens. Right. Exactly. Cause there's, there's deductive I mean, people reasoning. are hearing that their teeth are serrated, which I mean, I can confirm their teeth are not serrated. Right. That's not, good. I'm, well, I'm glad we solved that today. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, let me, that was put a group this, effort. Let me put this, uh, very dangerous male retake back. Oh yeah, he he is he's scaring me. I I can't careful. believe you had that killer out for so please, long. Please 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 be careful as you put him back in. He might will, size he might size you up. Oh no. <laughs> oh man, I wish the camera would focus. Dang and it! And this is Sorry. the last time we saw Bob. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, yeah, I'm glad we got that skull on. I mean, that was I I didn't think they were. I had heard about that, but I, I think it just goes back to the slashing they do. Yeah, I. I I've also heard triangular and that uh, after having the skull in my collection for a little while, that's what I lean towards. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Um, Bob, what made you have this curiosity in their behavior? You know, because I can honestly say that like I've kept snakes my whole life as well. And I mean, I got into keeping retics and, you know, wanting to breed them and everything. And it wasn't, you know, I, I liked them for looking at them and interacting and holding them, but it, it took me a while for me to finally realize, like, whoa, there's a lot more going on here. Like, what what sparked your interest? Was there someone who influenced you? Was there, uh, what was there a midlife crisis? Um, what what happened? It's uh, you know what it's what I've been interested in with animals my whole life. Um, I, I love all animals. I'm interested in all of them. And it's always their behavior. Since I was a little kid, I wanted to know what makes them tick. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think I was influenced by a lot of people when I got, you know, I went I went a, a number of years without having uh, any reptile, uh, probably five or six years without having any reptile. And then I started getting snakes and um, doing deep dives into researching snakes to add to my knowledge. And, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, I mean, every, every YouTube channel that I came across influenced me some, you know, in some way, but, you know, I've always come at it where, you know, I'm fascinated by morphs. I'm fascinated by the genetics. I also the genetics of, of localities, you know, so, uh, I really like the science behind that, but, you know, you, you can have a, a really cool snake that's, um, that has all the awesome genes. I'm going to show you an example. Um, yeah, I was actually going to ask you what the pairing of the ball Python stuff was. And that left my mind. Here's, here's my, here's a little clown pie. Oh, that I'm nice. 
So, so you can have this really amazing clown pied and you know, how cool is he? Right. And then, but he's going to live 35 years, maybe however long he ends up living. And, you know, after a while, the fact that he's this coloration doesn't matter as much as his personality Mm -hmm. and, and you know, what, what makes this guy tick and what's he like and can we socialize him? Um, so I, I also heard ball pythons, even the pieds, the white still brown out when they get older. Um, no, not really. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, oh, <laughs> no, that was a stab at ball python. More oh, so. They typically ball- brown that they brown out as they age. <laughs> I mean, yes, many of them do. Uh, I like ball pythons guys. I promise. The, I, so I love ball pythons for certain reasons. Um, uh, you know, if, for handling, generally, I want to handle a reticulated python because they're interactive and they're moving around and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I want to handle and watch a movie, I'm going to bring out one of my big girls that will just sit on my lap and hang out with me. Or I'll, maybe I'll let them roam, but they're going to come up to me occasionally and crawl across me or whatever and just be, you know, they'll kind of stay in the general area. Yeah, retig is on the other side of the house. Yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> no, they're up in the ceiling somewhere. Right, they'll, they'll still come up and see me occasionally, but I've got to keep an eye on them. Like I've got to, I've got to know where they are. This room is relatively snake-proofed, but I still the the retics are still pretty small, and um, you know my my biggest ball pythons can free roam pretty much wherever they want, and I'm gonna I'm never gonna step on them. But the retics, I don't want them going to the ground, and sometimes they're obsessed with that. No, and when they get some size to them, they start pulling stuff over that you'd be surprised that they could pull over. Yeah. Oh, gee, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, my, I, my I watch out for that too. My biggest fear is my larger females on the bottom of the enclosure. I have them on metal casters and, and uh, steel frames for those enclosures. And my biggest fear is they wrap around the wheel and they, they manage to get under the enclosure. You got a 13 foot snake under an enclosure that you have to bend down eye level to see them. No, thank you. I've uh, had it happen yeah. with my uh, male that I was breeding with this year. So, and during breeding season, he was arching. I caught him on camera uh, trying to figure out where he oh, was. Oh, that's right. You sent and me that video. Part of it, he knocked over a trash can on the ground and just started arching right up against the females. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. So, found him under her cage, of course. And I was like, well, I'm thinking you're wanting to go in. So I just opened her cage, let him in. It's great. Went back to work with a little bit of uh, weight off my shoulder. He's like, dude, you're taking way too long. He's like, let me help you. It's uh, yeah. They get themselves into, into sticky situations. Sometimes I, you know, the ball pythons just want to, when, when they free roam, they just want to find a spot to curl up. And so like my biggest, girl who's like 4,000 grams. She's a big five and a half foot long ball python. She big ball python. Yeah. She's, she's really big. Um, she spent the day. I have a big stand up mirror right over here. She spent the day behind the mirror, just curled up. I can leave the house for hours and come back. And I know she's just still there. She's never going to leave that spot. My black headed python will always be moving. And I don't care if she goes under cages or, or behind racks or anything, because I know she's coming right back out. She's not going to curl up and hide there. Whereas yeah. if a ball python was headed there, I would be a little bit concerned. Um, the retics are the same way that they're going to keep moving generally. Not not always. That's not true. Echo finds ambush positions to to sit, but she's not going to she's not going to find an ambush position behind a rack or under a, a cage 
Right. Something. It's going to be on your hat. It's going to be up high out, out in the open. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they all act a little bit differently. But I guess my point is that with the retics, I still don't want them on the ground. There's still places that I don't want them to be. So I have to keep an eye on them. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the sticky situations, have you ever had your retics get overconfident and fall from something they thought they could climb on? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, it, it's unfortunate to watch, but it's almost kind of funny. too. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I, so this door, you can't see with the camera, but this door, uh, I was going to say goes all the way up. Obviously it goes all the way up. Um, but they have, you know, on the top, they try to crawl across the top, which is a, a, that's an inch or something. And I have these hooks right here hanging on top of the door hanging like this so that when they fall, cause they do sometimes they can, they'll fall onto the hook instead of the ground. It's a, that, it's like a save thing. Yeah. I've, I've tried doing choice based handling with some of my larger animals and working that in. And there's some that I have like at chest level high on their cage. Um, and I'll drop down that door. I'll slide it open and they'll fly out for food and they fall all the way out of their enclosure, hit the floor. And typically every time they hit the floor, I'm able to just pick them up because they're kind of like, Whoa, what the hell just happened? Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're, you know, it's funny. Their intelligence. We talked about it earlier and I've mentioned this before. Their intelligence is through the roof, but I also think they're really dumb, like dumb in that cute way. They are dumb because they're not thinking at all, you know? No, no. Um, and that's why that's one of the things that I really like about target training is, you know, you get a, a lot of times they're so in food mode that you show them the target and they strike at it because their brain shuts off and they go, that means food. And which means I'm going to strike. Uh, but if you can get them to turn their brain on and remember, oh, yeah, that's not my food. That's a thing I have to interact with. And then I'll get my food. That's a that's a complex thing for their brain to do. You know, and uh, so even if they strike at the target, I just let them reset and, and try again and, and eventually they'll get it. And same with my my boa does the same thing. He occasionally will strike at the target. But getting them to engage their brain when they're in food mode is a trick. Like that's a that's something that they don't naturally do. And when, and when they're able to do that, like if your pet retake is able to do that, it's it's a that, that's definitely beneficial for the owner. Like uh, outside of like the, the stimulation and the, the enrichment that that is for the animal. I mean, it's, it's great for the owner, if we're being honest, the fact that it thinks instead of food first is huge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And really, you know, target training for me is I, I use it as a food cue. I don't, um, I'm not having my snakes follow it all over the place and, and you know, I'm not doing the stuff that Lori Torini does where she has them on a, on a whole thing and has them cruise around. A, yeah. She was saying that you know. she got a snake to sit still for a vet procedure with the yeah, target. Yeah, she, yeah, I was, she, she does I was that. like, that's intense. Yeah. But so, Lori's, I mean, doing, Lori's doing full choice based mm-hmm. handling. And I don't, I do kind of a hybrid. I do a lot of choice Same. based when they're babies. And once they realize that I'm safe, then when I go to pick them up, it doesn't freak them out. So right. I can reach into any of my snakes cage and just pick them up and pull them out. And they know it's me. And, and they trust me. Um, so it's, it's a hybrid of, of choice base, but because Lori's doing full choice base, she's got them target trained to like follow all over the place. For me, the target is to let them know for certain snakes, not, not even, I don't do it anymore with any of my ball pythons, even though I have target trained some of them. Uh, this is for my most food motivated snakes, which are my retics, my blackhead and my boa that I want them to know that anytime the only the only time they're getting food is when they see that target. 
Right. And, uh, and if they don't see the target, they're not getting fed. That doesn't, what I was hoping originally is that I could do that instead of hook training, instead of tap training. Um, but I found with echo it's uh, she needs the tap training also. So, well, and that's what we've just been trained as keepers to do for so long. I think, uh, one thing that I see changing in the retic hobby in the next 10 years is, you know, practices in our husbandry, like these behavioral practices that you're talking about are going to be more standard. So, you know, owning a super dwarf retic for your first pet snake won't be that crazy of an idea because the people getting into it will go into the idea of knowing they should be training their snakes behavior as well. Yeah. Right. And I like that it's going in that direction. And I'm still going to be honest, like I, and I've said this to Duran when we did his interview way back when, when we were doing target training, like I let's use my Sula for an example. Um, Let's say she's the best target trainer and she's a super social snake. There's still this aspect that if I need to grab her and because I'm not going to do full 100% choice space because, again, I got quite a bit of snakes. I got cleaning that I got to do, and it's just not realistic. If a snake doesn't want to come out that day, but there's poop everywhere, I'm getting the snake out. Like, that's just what I got to do. Yeah. Um, And uh, but there's something about having, you know, once that snake gets large. You know, I'm going to open up the cage, let it think. I won't present the target if I need to get it out, but I'm still using my hook as an extension of my arm. Very Because the last yeah. thing that I want is a 16-foot snake to accidentally be asleep, bite right. my arm, and wrap. Like, that's that's right. like worst-case scenario. Um, yeah. So, so I, I will always use my hook. My hook is still my, my tried and true. Um, for the smaller snakes, I'm doing exactly what you're saying. Like, I'll let them come out and think. I'll have my hand out or the hook out and just wait there as an extension until it crawls up the hook onto me. Um, right. But yeah, I'm still not going to, I don't care how much I trust that retake. Um, you, 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 you made a good point that a lot of people don't think about. And that is that sometimes your snake is asleep and yeah. with a retake, especially, you know, they're going to, they're going to in the wild post up in, in their, wherever their ambush spot is, let's say it's behind or beside some game trail. And they're going to sit there for a long time. It could be days. And some of that time, they're going to be asleep. And as soon as something runs by, right. they're going to strike. And right. they're asleep, but they're going to strike. And and that's what happens. Uh, Stella has um, – so they, they both get whiskey sleeves. I, I put whiskey sleeves in, in my snake's cages that, that they can uh, that they can sit in here. I'll show you. Um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So just – so, like, here's one that's in one of my ball pythons cages. Oh, that's genius, dude! They they use them as hides. You can get them. You can get them at liquor stores for free, because a lot of times they'll they'll take the bottle out of the thing. And uh, so I had so I um I'm in no short of whiskey sleeves. Uh, so here's one. Um, so anyway, the retics, especially Stella, likes to be in her whiskey sleeve. And one time she was in it. It was propped up, kind of. Kind of like this, it was it was propped up on her perch, sort of. So she was down in it, but but at an angle, right? And I accidentally bumped her cage. I just tapped it with my hand, and she came tearing out of there and struck the side of the cage like so fast. And I thought, man, that's a snake that's never bitten me before. But if that was me in the cage messing around with something. I would have gotten tagged and it wouldn't have been a big deal, but it would have scared the heck out of me because she like, it was so fast and she had to have been asleep. She went from asleep 
to mouth wide open striking at whatever. Right. Yep. That's why turn. even if I have to do a simple water bowl maintenance where I'm pretty confident I can go in and just do it quickly, I still tap the snake just to make sure they're not awake right. or they're not hey, asleep. Buddy. So yeah. yeah, when I move that water bowl and cause that tiny vibration, they don't come at me mouth open. Yeah. 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 No, I'm the same way. It's one of those things where, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't see, you know, there's people that talk about tap training and, or, 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 you know, target training and it replacing the invaluable, uh, uh like tool that a hook is. Yeah. And it's like, nope, still going to have plenty of snake hooks around, especially with that's the right. and, and that's kind of what I thought when I first started target training my animals, I thought, I think I can do this and have it replace hook training or tap training. And I, I think with some animals, maybe um, with Stella, I don't ever have to tap Stella. In fact, I don't think she's even tap trained anymore. Um, uh, I, well, I still use the hook to, to wake her up. If I, if I think she might be asleep, I'll touch her with the hook, but that's not really training. That's just, Hey, you're being touched by something so you can wake up so I can show you that I'm here, you know? Uh, but echo always needs to be hook, hook trained and targeted, like, hooked and targeted so yeah yeah and i mean that's again cool thing about personalities and kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier it's just like seeing what makes them tick right like there are so many variations with each species of personalities and and behaviors and quirks and um dumb behaviors that you know some snakes do some snakes don't and uh yeah it, it is fascinating and that's that's what's been making me tick over the last year um, and it's been a fascinating kind of, uh, it's almost like getting a, a, a second wind when you you're keeping and you have a bunch of snakes and you've been doing it for five, six years. And then you, you start to like wake up to this and you're like, Oh, it's like I have my first snake all over again. It's, you know, there's something cool about when you're starting to work with their brain and you're, and you're doing enrichment things and you're, you're, you're working with them more rather than just going in once a week to change their water bowl and feed them, you know, uh, and you're really working with them. You, you start to see the differences in personalities and the differences in tendencies from this snake to another. And it makes them so much more enjoyable. You know, people always say that ball pythons are pet rocks. That's the, that's the big complaint with ball pythons. Uh, but they're really not. And when you really work with them, they all have their own personalities. They all interact differently. Um, yeah, it's it, it makes it much more fun to keep an animal when you're when when you're into the behavior side of it. I, I guess there's some people that just aren't interested in the behavior. They just want to have the animal to look at or whatever. But I yeah, I, love I mean it. you 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 think of the classic breeder, right? Um, and uh, you know, and and people like you you mentioned um, you know earlier that you know when you have a thousand ball pythons, um. You know, it, it's, I'm going to say this and then kind of explain, but you don't have the luxury to be able to do that because you have a lot of animals. Right. And and, right. and I really mean what I say about luxury, because when, once you finally tap into that brain and start seeing and understanding how it works, it literally is a luxury. It's a whole different level of interaction that you have with that animal that for me, I will say is beyond more rewarding than just dragging a snake out of the enclosure, putting it in a tub, scooping up the poop and pee, replacing the water putting it back in, feeding it once a year, throwing a male in, in there. Right. It's, it's, it's just, it's different. And, yeah. um, and I'm not judging anyone who's not doing that or anything because, um, 
we, we each have different things that make us tick and why we love these animals. And I know a lot of people that love breeding and they, they take it from a breeding perspective, but they're literally scientists. Like they're, they yeah. literally are yeah. playing the, like, and I'm not, I'm not saying the behavioral aspect, but if you look at Canova, right, you look at Justin, um, the guy is literally playing science, like with creating yeah, yeah. Python. It's, really it, cool. it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. And that, that's yeah. what makes him tick. It's he's like, what is the tiniest little polygenic trait that I could just exacerbate and make so much like, you know, make it look the best of the best. Right. Yeah, and it's so, amazing. And, so he, and he's got such a great eye too. like, it, like he goes, I think if I put this morph into this, it's going to, it's going to create that, you know, like he's very, he's very deliberate about, about it. He's not just yeah. randomly throwing snakes together. Exactly. But you know, one thing that I always say on my channel is that people keep snakes different ways. And just because somebody keeps a snake differently than I do, doesn't make them wrong. Uh, and, and it, and it's also the same with your motivation for why you enjoy these animals. Right. You know, I, my biggest motivation is the behavior and the brain and everything. But if that's not somebody else's motivation, that's okay. You know, uh, if, if somebody wants to keep a snake differently than I do, that's okay. You know, just make it, sure it's, it's got fresh water and you're feeding it. And yes, it, you as, know, as you, long as it's, there's a lot of correct ways to keep a snake, I guess. I correct say. ways. Yeah. A lot of was, correct I, ways. There's also was, a lot of incorrect way, ways, but I'm talking about uh, the, the ways. Ethical the ways of keeping snakes. Healthy and it's ethical. Yeah. Right. There's a number of ways to do it. There's not just one way. So. Right. You know. Yeah, um, I think that's a good way to look at everything in life, honestly. Right. Uh, one thing I want to make sure that we don't skip over is you just took part in uh, Emily and Ed's snake discovery build off. I did, yeah. When does voting close for that? It's done. It's closed. It's closed. Oh, okay. I got my, in, my votes in. So yeah, I did too. That's good. I, I came in a very close fourth place. Fourth uh, place. Which is, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Tyler but that is huge. Tyler and Ruggie and I were going back and forth between third and fourth place. I was in third place on like the day before voting ended. And then overnight, Tyler took over because to, Tyler and Maddie did a little campaign and they've got ma a massive channel. You know, that's huge. what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. Like, it's huge. You, you were up against people with half a mil subs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, or more. Also, Luke, who, of Luke's Bug Adventures, who, who has a pretty modest channel also. But his enclosure was ridiculous. It was so good. Uh, he that that kid's amazing. Um, yeah. So he um, came in second place. What which, what inspired your build? Uh, I did a I did a where's my here he is. Uh, so I did a gargoyle gecko enclosure, and I had a friend of mine three D print me a crumbling tower, like a, a crumbling um, like New York building that had gargoyles on it. Here's here's one of the test gargoyles, awesome. and one of the gargoyles was was basically just like this, uh, intact. The other one was just was just sort of the base broken off. And so the idea is that that gargoyle gecko has that gargoyle has come to life. And that's the gecko that's in the that's in the cage. And this is sort of a, you know, like the building's crumbling. It's like it's like the the jungle is taking over society. It's almost like Jumanji, you know, it's right. Jumanji cool. and Ghostbusters. That's how I described it. OK, I like it. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I, I think still getting fourth place. Um, that That's. Pretty I was totally awesome. happy with it. I, yeah, I was totally absolutely. I think I would be too. <laughs> yeah, and I had a blast at Snake Discovery too. It was so fun. I I just posted my the the second video. The first video was covering the the build off, but the second video was the running all over the zoo, 
Emily gave me the keys to the zoo. So I basically oh, just amazing. did like I was just opening up enclosures and pulling out snakes and I'm still mad the rattlesnake and, didn't come out. What's that? Yeah. I'm still mad the rattlesnake didn't come out. Oh, you saw did you see you saw yeah. the video? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was rattling. You could hear the kid. There was a kid behind me. Like I'm rattling the the keys in the rattlesnake cage as though I'm gonna open it. And I hear and this kid behind me goes, Oh my gosh. Oh man. So, anyway, it was it was a fun video. I had a blast at Snake Discovery. Let, let me ask you this, and we'll we'll kind of finish off on this topic. It's something that I'm actually really excited for you. But you you mentioned uh, while I was texting you and everything that you are about to make your very first trip out to the Amazon. And although you have experience with camping, this is kind of your first really big jungle herping experience. That tell us yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, uh, I'm so excited. I'm going with my friend Amy. Uh, Amy Benzie, who on Instagram has an account called Happy Basins, phenomenal Instagram account. She has she has Amazon Basin tree boas, and she keeps them in these amazing enclosures. She's got this incredible room, and she lets she's got vines all over her ceiling, and she lets them out and to cruise around the vine. It's it's amazing. She's fantastic. So uh, she goes several times a year to Suriname, and uh, basically she's uh, there, there's an area in the jungle where that's highly trafficked. Um, and, uh, so, so what she does is she takes these snakes that normally would be snatched and, and sent off to a warehouse and then sent to either the United States or the UK to become pets and they may not survive. Uh, she goes and gathers them up and takes them several hours deeper into the jungle and re-releases them. So I'm going with her to do that. We're going to find these, uh, Emerald tree boas and and regular Amazon tree boas, the little angry shoelaces, and then pretty much anything else that we can find that would be traffic because they'll take anything. You know, they'll take they'll take rainbow boas and you know young anacondas, anything like that. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm excited. On a scale of one to ten, be honest, okay, be honest. On a scale of one to ten, where's your anxiety level at? Like. Well, my excitement level is is a ten, right? I, but anxiety is creeping into the like fear thoughts and the the worry thoughts and where yeah, where's yeah. that? Like, be because I'm I'm going to be honest, I would probably be just like through the roof excited. But I mean, if I'm putting myself in your shoes right now, I'm probably at like a seven. <laughs> yeah, I think I was going to say I'm a, I'm about at a five. And, okay, and here's cool. Why. There's a, there's a few things that make me nervous and a few things that make me feel better. First of all. I'm going with Amy and she's been a ton of times. She the, actually, the guides that we're going with, she helped them set up their business and help them get their boat and everything. And they're fantastic. They know the area really well. So uh, I, I trust the people that I'm going with. Um, most people that go to the Amazon are afraid of snakes. Those of us who know snakes really well are, are not as afraid of snakes. Uh, I know what I potentially could encounter and I know how to protect myself, whatever. What I am afraid of is the spiders. And the, <laughs> the other various deadly bugs that could that could uh, infest my nostrils or whatever they do. I don't even know what they do. And this is why I'm afraid it's because this, I don't know the, what they do. The anxious thoughts, right? Like, like they'll infest bad. my nostrils and grow yeah. eggs in my ear. And... Right. Yes. There. There's so many awful things. Dave Kaufman gave me a terrible horror story that I don't even want to repeat here. I had to look it up on the internet to see if it was true, and I found out that it's kind of true but not don't, really don't, don't do that to us i want to hear. No, yeah i'm like what are you doing dave uh so <laughs> in fact like you told me we're having dinner and he tells me this thing and i'm like 
I don't even want to go now. Like, why did you tell me that? Don't tell me what's out there. You know, uh, my fear <laughs> would be awesome. the uncontacted tribes. Like for whatever reason, that would be like number that's one on a, my list. That that would be number one on my list, except that Suriname is a Dutch colony. They don't have, there's no, there's, there's nothing none. like that in Suriname. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Um, that that, that feels are, a little better. There are small villages, but they're not, uh, they're, they're, um, even the small villages aren't like primitive tribes. Okay. You know, they're, okay. In fact, the, we're, we're going to be in a base camp that's pretty deep in the jungle. And apparently at the base camp, there is Wi-Fi sometimes. Oh, that's awesome. Like, it's not good Wi-Fi, but, but we'll be able to, I'll be able to like get texts or text people from the jungle. Yeah. You're, you're not streaming YouTube or anything, but right. Oh, so you're not joining us on the retic lounge live from <laughs> the, well, be that, great if I that would that. be pretty I mean, badass. Lucas yeah. and I would love it, but I'm sure that yeah. connection's not that strong. No, no, no. Uh, but you know, I'll have, I'll, I'll have a little bit of contact you but know, the- on, on our Patreon zooms. We tend to have like a guest that we've interviewed. We haven't had one in a while, but when you get back, we'll make you the special guest on our Patreon live. So you could talk about your Ooh, trip. I'd love, I'd love to hear about that. Guest. Maybe, maybe before you post a video so you can give our little Patreon viewers a little, little okay. sneak peek on to some of like the things it. that you experienced. I like it. We're the, um, so what we're doing, this is kind of interesting we had to pick a time of year where, where we're going, uh, during a, f- the, the fullest moon, uh, possible. You have to go during a, I don't know if the word is waxing or waning. It doesn't matter as the moon's getting bigger. That's when you have to go because, uh, no, no, no vice versa. It's gotta be a small moon. It can't be a full, it's gotta be a small moon because that's when the snakes are out at the, at the fullest moon. Oh yeah. They it's too bright out. They're getting predated on. So they're not out as much. So, so are you going to dark? Any any ayahuasca plans or? I'd love to. That'd be great. But no, huh? Uh, <laughs> but here's here's what you do. You go on the on the water on the boat with like a twelve foot pole that's got a fork on it. And when you see a snake in the tree, you send the pole up and twist them like it's spaghetti and bring them down into the boat. <laughs> that's Fantastic. pretty awesome. It's that's, like the easiest way of of getting snakes. That's, that's hilarious. Awesome. Twist yeah. them up yeah. like the little noodles they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. a fork and spaghetti. You're just yeah. So you're just shining flashlights into the trees, and you see one, and you just fork the thing and that's bring awesome. It down and yeah, put it in the bag. Yeah, and if any of you are eating spaghetti with a spoon to help you, you're doing it wrong. Don't do that. Just fork it. Um, spoon to help you? How does that? I don't. You don't, you've never like the American thing. Like a lot of like you know an, an Italian know place is not about. Italian if they serve you a plate a spaghetti and they, there's a spoon inside there. Right. I'll send my food back. Yeah, my little sister <laughs> used to do that. It's just pure. pure I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've never done that before. Um, man, I'm I'm so excited for you for that. Um, I have Daniel Solis has posted his trips and like he has people coming and then Andrew and and Blake have invited me to go to Peru with them and um, cool. it's just hard to do that with a two and a half year old. For sure, uh, I'm not worried too much about the collection because I have support here that can help me out. Um. You know, I, I got a guy local to me that keeps venomous. So handling a retake is like, he's like, I really don't care. Um, and then, you know, I have Sean who helps me with the the manageable animals. So I'm not worried about that, but it's just having a two-year-old and leave my wife for two weeks. And yeah, no, uh, that's tough to do. Coming back with like bugs and larvae in my skin. And, um, but it, it'll <laughs> happen. It'll, it'll, it'll definitely, you know, we're, we're probably going to be shooting for baby number two soon and once those two kind of you know are are a little older and i don't feel 
guilty about leaving my wife with toddlers that are screaming. Um, I want to spend a lot of time out there. That's, that's a thing. My, my children are adults now, so that makes it easy for me to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just on that beginning stage, but I got plenty of life ahead of me. My wife and I travel a lot and that's just a goal of mine. Um, I, I'm trying to convince her to go to Bali because they have beautiful resorts there and I'm going to be like, Hey, have a great time. And yeah. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to find the closest find cave that I can. Yeah. That's my plan too. That's my plan too. Yeah. Let's go to Indonesia. It's let's, it, let's double date to Bali. Nathan. Also orangutans yeah. and reticulated pythons. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, Bob, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, we, we Nathan and I have talked about this for months now, but um, finally glad we got to make it happen right before your trip. Can't wait to hear about you getting back. And um, I, I just love how I love how you are. That, that behavior side of things, you know, I think this is maybe like the third episode out of the last five where we've talked a good amount about the behavior side of things. And um, it, it speaks to the experiment that me and Nathan are running and the people that we're having on. I'm happy to see the community changing towards giving a shit, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. like actually looking at them as more than just like you're an animal that I have in an enclosure. Um, right. and giving them some free will and giving them some, uh, opportunity to be who they are. Who is it fair to say who, I guess. I but, think it's yeah. fair to say whom throw whom. an M on the back of there and then you were good. Well, well I, don't, I mean, I don't you're, know you're, if it's grammatically correct, but I think you should say it. It, it sounds nicer whom it they does. are. It really does. Um, but yeah, again, thank you so much. Anything. So let people know where they can find you at the green tree Python room. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll include the links and all that good stuff. And then if there's any last words that you kind of want to leave our listeners, go Lucas, for it. Good callback. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, Green Room Pythons on, on uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, and uh, last last words uh, are to you guys. Thank you so much for having me. This was a fun chat. I've always enjoyed chatting with you guys. I, yeah. As you mentioned before, I'm one of your Patreon supporters. I jumped on in, in the beginning. I liked what you guys were doing. I support five or six other uh, creators and you guys are one of them. Oh, and, that's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm happy to support. And, and, you know, I don't make it to those lives as much as I would like to, cause I'm usually busy doing something, but I have we made used to drink scotch part. together. I know it's, it's always enjoyable. So when, when I can do it, I, I do it. Uh, cause I enjoy talking to you guys. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on again. And, um, Nathan, you got anything else? No, thank you for your vote of confidence. I told Lucas when we got this thing started and started the Patreon, I'd be happy if five people signed up. So yeah. you know, you're one of those five plus that's however huge. many more that we have now. Like, yeah, that's that's huge for me. So thank you. Yeah. That's great. Bob, have a good one. Um, appreciate you. And uh, we'll definitely be having you back on. Cool. Thanks, you guys. Take it easy. I, I know comedy. I know how to reference and go back and I know how to bring it all together. Okay. Um, man, just, that was a, I, I love talking to just Bob. Just giving you shit. Yeah. I love talking to Bob. Every time I talk to him, I feel like I learned something and I, I, I feel like I know more. Um, definitely a guy full of wisdom and different outlooks on things that are, are just different ways of looking at things that, that I can appreciate. Um, you you ready for bed, buddy? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah me too. I have, an er I have an early day tomorrow, boyo. 
So then take us out so that we can sign out and uh, yeah. Oh, I thought we did. My bad. <laughs> no, no, we're we're still on, dude. We're this is the Bob's in the back green room, every, and we're here. Everyone caught me lacking. My bad. I'm like, all right, we signed off. We're good to go. Nathan starts everyone. taking off his shirt on camera. <laughs> hey, that's that's for the after hours. Um, you got to be a Patreon member for that. You do. So sign up today. <laughs> Anyways, guys, once more, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Get us to one thousand so we can give you stuff. Uh, make sure that you're a member of USARC, support those who fight for us, and we'll see you next week. See you, everyone.